the Ghost Goal Podcast. We've got the second half of our Premier League recaps and grades coming up for you. But first, a little update on the finalized list of teams heading to this November's World Cup as Australia and Costa Rica sealed their places to fill out the 32-team tournament. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to episode 361 of the Ghost Goal Podcast. You may have missed us last week. We were originally scheduled to uh, bring you this pod last week, but uh, the combination of some technical difficulties and some scheduling errors on our part uh, means it's coming a week later than expected. So we're here regardless, Javier. Real sorry about Peru. Let me I just want to let you know I was rooting for you guys, but uh, at the end of God, the, it was the, end so of the day, the Peruvians just didn't show up. It, we didn't. It was, uh, it was such a heartbreaking match because Peru didn't play well. Like you said, didn't show up. Um, really until extra time when, you know, the, the skill started to show a little bit more Peru, you know, hit the woodwork and, and control possession better. But I mean, during the game in regular time, Australia had several chances, you know, were able to get in behind Peru and, you know, get us under pressure and make us lose the ball. It was just, it was a kind of chaotic performance and, you know, it was uh, it was kind of an overachieve making it out of South America in the first place for Peru. So it would have been, uh, you know, kind of another Cinderella story going to this don't, World Cup. And don't, don't play this off. You guys were the favorites. You should have we gone were to the, the World favorite. Cup. You and the, fa- it. The, the stadium was packed. The stadium was packed with Peruvians, which is... Just brutal. The and whole stadium instead, was. Instead, you guys let a dancing goalkeeper go. get in your head. A dancing, you know, Aussie, Red Main. Shit housing you know, just, Aussie. <laughs> apparently, he threw the bottle away. He did. Now there's video footage. You know, we, we've seen it now a week later at like video footage of him throwing the the bottle with instructions for the other goalkeeper, like saying where all the other penalty takers are going to go for the Peruvian goalies. Like, ah, uh, it's just like, it's the shit house like that that. Honestly, good Gets thinking them by the him. World like, Cup. That yeah. was, <clears throat> that, that's that's where the shit housing uh, helps you out. Um, yeah, so I mean, that didn't mention the result, but that was a, a nil nil after extra time. Went to penalties. Australia won five four on penalties. Uh, Luis Advincula missed, and uh, who was the other one? Didn't wasn't there one more that uh, missed their penalty? Because Gaiese uh, saved the first penalty by uh, by Australia, and then couldn't save one after that. Whatever, it doesn't really matter. The next day, Costa Rica scored very early on in their uh, playoff match against uh, New Zealand. Uh, Arsenal legend Joel Campbell got the got the goal that eventually sent Costa Rica to, I think it's their their fourth straight World Cup. Uh, Joel Campbell, only twenty eight years old. Who would have thought? I, like the guy has been like twenty four for a decade. It seems like, uh, but he's going back to a World Cup. Um, Good so for yeah, him. that finalizes for that uh, that list of teams heading to the World Cup this November. We'll probably uh, give you some uh, previews closer to the time of that when it kicks off around uh, Thanksgiving week here in the U.S. But for now, let's move on to the second half of our Premier League recap grades. Last uh, or not last week, two weeks ago, we gave you the grades for the twentieth place team through to the eleventh uh, place team. Uh, now we're going to give you 10 through 1. So, uh, But the 10 through 5 teams, let's try and do this a little quick fire. Uh, we're Just to recap for any of you that uh, aren't bothered listening to that first one, 
we're each going to give a grade, uh, a numerical grade out of 100 for the team. Uh, we're going to give a biggest surprise and a biggest disappointment. And this is open-ended for a reason. It can be a player. It can be a situation. It can be a, a manager, whatever. Uh, so to kick it off in 10th place with 51 points, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Wolves. Javier, what's your grade for Wolves? I thought they did okay. Quick fire, Yeah, Javier. I thought they did okay. I mean, I gave them a 70 uh, because I thought that considering they lost their manager kind of abruptly and we didn't expect much from Bruno Lage, um, defensively they were they were really good, but offensively they were just so disappointing that, you know, I think the, the amount of money that the owners invested at the beginning when they came into the Premier League, they haven't invested so much in the last year, but they did initially, and finishing 10th place is still a disappointment for me. Um, my biggest surprise in the team is uh, Jose Sa, who had 11 clean sheets and, and so many amazing saves throughout the season. You know, coming from Greece and then starting on this Wolves team and just being amazing off the bat has been, uh, you know, linking him to teams like Chelsea or other places, you know, big teams wanting wanting to take him from Wolves. So he surprised me how good he was, even though, you know, I, I, I did think he would be good, but not this good probably. Um, and then my biggest disappointment was uh, Raul Jimenez, who played almost every game this season. I know he, you know, we've been saying since last season when he came back, you know, let's give him some time. But we gave him a lot of time this season, only six goals, four assists and 34 appearances. And there were so many games I remember throughout the season where Jimenez had chances or, you know, just couldn't get on the end of a ball and. It just, yeah, it's disappointing. He had a lot of shots, one of the most, you know, shots in the box of any forward, but he just didn't score that much. So, disappointment for me, Jimenez. What about you, Alex? Yeah, I had a slightly better grade, well, a significantly better grade. I had an 80, uh, so a B minus. Uh, my biggest surprise for them was Max Kilman. We've heard about him and seen him in sort of. Uh, a lesser role before, but uh, he came in and, and played a lot more than I think most people were anticipating and contributed to a very good defensive record for them. And then for the uh, the biggest disappointment, I'm going to say Bruno Lage. I remember coming into this season saying he was a an attacking manager who was going to reshape how oh, he played, but okay. it's... Instead, he just reverted back to the kind of framework that uh, Nuno Espirito Santo yeah, he's laid just out. Been using Nuno's. Uh, okay, yeah, but that's a that's a good dis- shout on the disappointment. I like that. Yeah, I mean they they scored thirty eight goals, conceded forty three, and conceding forty three isn't terrible. It's pretty good, but only scoring thirty eight with all of the attacking players and talent that they have, especially bringing in like Huang and players like that. You'd, you'd expect a bit more from them, you know? If Leicester are scoring 62 and West Ham are scoring 60, you know, you can't have 20 less uh, less goals or 20 fewer goals than those kinds of teams. They're the similar kind of profile in terms of the talent on their squads. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's kind of a so-and-so season, but, you know, a decent one, good enough to keep Bruno Lage in the job, but he's going to need to build off that. In ninth place, we had uh, Brighton and Hove Albion on 51 points also, but uh, they finished above the, uh, above Wolves on goal difference. For Brighton's grade, I went with an 87. So, like, bordering on a B+, but not quite there. It's definitely their best season ever in the top flight. 
but uh, they really turned it on and started like putting teams to the sword in the second half of the season when a lot of their rivals around them were kind of in like mid-table malaise. They still get points for that, but if a B plus would have been if they were like threatening for a European place, that would have been a very good uh, result for me. Uh, Javier, what do you have for their grade? Yeah, I mean, just along those similar lines, I thought great season for Brighton. I gave them an eighty-five solid B. I thought that they were uh, above expectations. You know, I thought they were going to be closer. You know, in the bottom half of the table. So for them to be also, they started really well. They had a lot of injuries in the middle of the season, which kind of explains their dip in form. But once they got healthy again, they were they were really dangerous to everyone they played. So, yeah, really fair play to to Brighton. Um, and the the players that I want to highlight the most that really came out of nowhere this season, um, and the reason why they were able to sell Bissouma to Tottenham is uh, Moise Caicedo and Inaka Mwepu, who both of them just kind of popped out of nowhere in these last 10 games, 12 games of the season. I mean, Mwepu played for most of the season off the bench. He had like 18 appearances, and Caicedo only 10 or 11 just to end the season. So neither of them played a lot this season, but they're just such a bundle of energy, and and both of them remind me of not just of N'Golo Kante, but just of their own unique play style, and uh, they're so excited to watch, like I, I think Brighton and if keep they keep both of those midfielders, will have a, a very dangerous core to build on. And if it's going to take a lot of money to take either one of those players away from Brighton, that's why they let someone like Basuma go. Because Brighton, I think, still to them, they think that they're a strong team. I mean, if you look, they have quality around the squad. Um, yeah, and in midfield, they still have uh, Jakub Moder, who is a Polish international and... You know, it's kind of been a Swiss Army Knife type player, but he can fill that role as like the more like destroying kind of uh, or uh, more reserved midfield player while uh, Mwepu and Saicedo go and run around and hunt for the ball. I had the same uh, surprise of the season for Saicedo. I mean, really a surprise because he came in for what, like the last eight games had a goal and an assist and big performances against Arsenal and Tottenham and Manchester United. Um, and I, I have Aaron Connolly as my biggest disappointment, just, you know, from the Irish standpoint. I was kind of expecting him by now at 21 years old to be a lot better. Uh, but instead, he just had four appearances, no goals, and he got loaned off to Middlesbrough and didn't do anything there either. And now he's out of the Irish national team picture. So that, that's a big disappointment for me. But I'm going to let you go on your disappointment because I actually I have, a, I have a retort for this, Xavier. Go on your biggest disappointment for Brighton. Yeah, for me it was uh, Meopai, Neil Meopai, who uh, played almost every game for Brighton this season, was the main penalty taker a lot of times, and by the end of the season in this big run that they had, Meopai had eight goals and two assists in a Brighton team that had you know, a lot of chance creation, a lot of possession, and he missed a ton of chances. And by the end of the season, Danny Welbeck was starting and, and playing over him, so... To get replaced by Danny Welbeck when Danny's, you know, I think past it. I don't know. I mean, he's okay, I guess, but he's not, shouldn't be starting over you. And because uh, you expect, Mayopai scored more goals in, in a Brighton team the season before. And this team was better and he scored less goals. So for me, he was disappointing. What's your retort, Alex? My only retort is that he did have some injuries. So, 
you know, seven of those performances were off the bench, 25 starts, eight goals. You're right. That's underperforming for, you know, where you'd kind of expect him to be. But I remember a good few of those goals being like important goals, namely equalizers. He scored a crazy bicycle kick, like right at the death, the death against West Ham to get a 1-1 draw uh, away. He scored again in what is viewed as like the big derby for Brighton. I can't remember why, but Crystal Palace, for some reason, Brighton and Crystal Palace are rivals. He scored a late equalizer there <laughs> off of a, a mistake. Um, and I'm honestly, I'm probably missing a few. He had a lot of very impactful goals if they weren't, if it wasn't a ton of them. And Danny Welbeck as well. So uh, those two kind of formed not really a partnership, but, you know, when one was uh, was out, the other one was playing well and was a nightmare for teams. And Brighton as a whole, they, I think they recovered more points from losing positions than any other team, like, in the league. So... I mean, yeah, Brighton lost a, 11 games and uh, United lost 12 and Arsenal 13. So Tottenham 11. So Brighton Brighton didn't lose that many games this season. I think they did suit such a great, they had a great season. Yeah, I guess I'm just saying like, yeah, you would expect Malpai to have at least more than 10 goals in the Premier League for, for Brighton. Right. That's but, how I was disappointed. Uh, the, goal, the, goals, the goals he did score were big, impactful goals and he made him a nuisance of himself. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all I'll say. Uh, moving on to eighth place, Leicester City finished on the 52 points. They had a shaky start to the season with a big injury to uh, Wesley Fofana, their very impressive uh, young center back from the previous season. He had a big knee injury, I think it was, uh, in a preseason game against Villarreal that scared the shit out of me when Chelsea were about to play Villarreal. Uh, but he eventually made it back later in the season. And, uh, you know, going from a poorly start to the season to uh, an upper mid-table finish. I gave them a 75, a solid C. How about you, Javier? Yeah, I mean, a, a similar line of thinking. I gave them a 70, C-. Uh, I think for their expectation to only get 52 points is uh, it's very disappointing for them. I mean, they... There's going to be big players, big sharks coming in for their best players. And if Brendan Rodgers leaves, who knows where this Leicester team is going to go. So I still gave them, you know, a, a decent grade because I thought, you know, they're, they're still not the biggest club in the world. So to still be solidly in, in the second top half of the table is still a good, a decent result for them. Um, and my biggest surprise is Jamie Vardy. I mean, the guy the guy is immortal. He lives on. 15 goals, two assists, still getting goals left and right for this Leicester team and still affects things for Leicester. And he's there, pops up with important goals. The guy's just, <laughs> I don't know how he keeps trucking on, but he's just, uh, yeah, he's been. He, he's he did been, have a long goal drought, though. I don't have it in front of me of exactly how long it was, but there there was a long period during the season where you know he was injured. They were relying on Pats and Daka, who they signed, and Ian Aksho. Um and you know that, that kind of coincided with some of the poor runs of form for them. Um, but yeah, for him to still get 15 goals, yeah, I, I, that is still surprising uh, for him to have a drought like that and still end the season on 15 goals at his age. Um, but my biggest surprise, I've got Kiernan Dewsbury Hall, uh, who didn't light up the stat sheet, but just like overall from watching him during the season, 28 appearances overall, 23 of them starts, only had one goal and 
three assists. But he's kind of the uh, the Jakub Moder of their team. He's the Swiss Army knife. He can play wherever Brendan Rogers needs him to play, and he's going to put in a shift, and he's going to have you know decent performances. So for them to still produce another solid academy player, a player that we kind of thought that Hamza Chaudhry was going to be. I don't know if you remember him. He's like the guy with yeah, the big he's afro. Still around, was, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but he he like I think he was making appearances much earlier in his in his career than Dewsbury Hall was, but he never really took the, the like the sort of the steady steps that you need to and the steady improvements you need to to make yourself like pivotal in a team. And Dewsbury Hall is you'd think more of like an attacking midfielder, but he made himself like irreplaceable as like a box-to-box threat. He could play as a wing back, he could play as a defensive midfielder. Yeah, I was just really impressed with him and, and frankly surprised. So uh, I had him as the biggest surprise. What do you have for their uh, biggest disappointment? Uh, just a similar lines to what you said, just not having Fafana fully fit this season. I think while he wasn't in the team, Leicester just didn't look nearly as good. And Sionichu got injured for a while too, so they both their two starting center backs were out at a time for a lot, long periods of time this season. And I mean, when Fafana was fit, Leicester were one of the best teams in the league defensively. Like, do you remember how good they were defensively on like a good run of of seven or eight games, and then you know Fofana got hurt. So it's uh, I think if they can go into next season with Fofana fit and build on this team and not lose a lot of key pieces, then they can still be really strong next year. They can still you know have a good season, but it's it's depends on on keeping players like Fofana fit. Yeah, for my biggest disappointment, I mean that that's definitely up there, but. They signed Yannick Vestergaard from Southampton. To, God, I forgot he was you know, on the team. Jesus. Right, exactly. They signed him to be not Fafana's replacement, but they need a depth at center back. And yeah, you know, the the other defensive options aren't great either. Johnny Evans isn't getting any younger, but Yannick Vestergaard was brought in off the back of like a, a good Euros uh, performance with, with Denmark. And... Actually, you know, I can't even say these are disappointments. I've never really rated him that highly before. So maybe I'll stick with you. I'll go with Fafana. But yeah, Vestergaard was crap. Uh, let's move on to seventh place. West Ham. This should be uh, an interesting one. Javier, what'd you give them for your grade? I thought they had a great season. I gave them an 85, solid B. Um, I think the fact that they got into the Conference League, that's great for them. They can They got into Europe now, you know two years in a row and for me I'm just going to go straight into it my biggest surprise is David David Moyes I mean the fact that he's been able to improve so many players build on this West Ham team and he's shown now that even though he had stints in other leagues where he people were joking about him and you know his time at Manchester United he got completely railed on by everyone in the media and everyone all the Manchester United fans and all the opposing fans I mean, and it wasn't they his were fault. Shit. Yeah, and it wasn't his fault. But it wasn't his fault that Manchester United gave him a six-year deal, and he had probably had some plan in mind where he was gonna, you know, have a, a team built over time. And it, it's really hard to judge someone when they don't don't actually have the backing of the team that's that they're on. So we're seeing the fruits of it with West Ham, you know, just narrowly finishing behind Manchester United this season, which it would have been hilarious if Dev, like if a West Ham team with Devin Moyes had finished above Manchester United that would have been great but you know just barely didn't and um, I couldn't find that many disappointments for uh, West Ham but 
if I if I could name one, it was Mikel Antonio for me. Who, it's crazy to say, he had ten goals, eight assists this season. A lot of people will say, you know, he he played so well. But that was in up till January, basically. Antonio was just you know a terror, playing super well in the first half of the season, and then. He still played every game from January to the end of the season. There, there wasn't really any injuries there. He yeah. stayed fit, but he just stopped scoring, stopped assisting, stopped really doing anything and missing chances back and forth. And this West Ham team definitely could have finished higher. I mean, the work rate, the the, the players like Bowen, um, that midfield of Declan Rice. Declan Rice was unbelievable this season. Suchek, it, it just they could have done so. I think even better than West Ham, but Antonio just didn't keep producing his end of the deal. He should have had like 15 goals, 10 assists, something like that. So that's why I'm disappointed for him. I hear you out on Antonio, but to me, he's more than just goals and assists. Like, yes, it is disappointing that he didn't like push on a little bit from the good early season performances. But I thought we would be in like real agreement here. How is the biggest disappointment of the season not Kurt Suma? Can you give me a reason? Oh, 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 okay, Alex. No, Shout out right. to all our cat fuck, lovers. Shout out to all our Zuma. animal lovers. Yeah, fuck Kurt Zuma. Who has had a bigger fall from grace than Kurt Happy Zuma? The man, its middle name is literally Happy. He was the most beloved member of a, of Chelsea teams for, for years, it felt like. Finally got his chance in like a big money move. They paid $30 million for him. Frankly, he wasn't even like that good when he played for West Ham this season. And then he goes and he kicks his cat and gets it like posted all over social media. And now is, you know, like doing a what's it called? Like uh, community service sentence for it. Uh, That's the biggest falls from grace and the biggest disappointment of West Ham season for me. The biggest surprise. I don't know how you can be surprised by David Moyes. They were they were excellent last season and he got a lot of flowers and a lot of, you know, a lot of his due for that. The biggest surprise is hands down Jared Bowen, like without a doubt. 12 goals, 10 assists, 36 Premier League appearances, 34 of them starts. Yeah, Jared Bowen was amazing this season. Like there isn't another choice except Jared Bowen. He, I expected a good player coming out of the championship when they bought him from Hull like a year or two ago, but to explode into like one of like the best like English attackers in the league. Uh, I, I was not expecting that. Double digits and goals and assists, that that's huge. Um, so that, that was something different from West Ham. Um, and, and for their grade, I ended up giving them an 80, a B minus, because really I think they should have taken advantage on the worst ever Premier League season for Manchester United and finished above them and gotten into the Europa League again. Instead, they're going to be in the next competition down from where they were previously competing. They were in a Europa League semi-final and had ambitions to win that. They're now going to be in the Europa Conference League. I, I think they have to be disappointed by that. Um, so, yeah, a- B- minus for West Ham from me. Moving on to the aforementioned Manchester United with their worst season in Premier League history. So that's since 1992. They finished on 58 points in sixth place. Javier, give us your grade for Manchester United. Finally, we have a team that you have a better grade for than I do. So I gave them a 60. I cool. thought they were shit. I gave them a D. Uh, I, 
it was hard to find a surprise on the team because Wait, why not an F? What, what, well, because what gets they still got Europa D. League and finished above West Ham in the end, I guess. Okay, I but know. this was a team that brought in Varane, Sancho, Ronaldo, and had ambitions and hopes of like challenging at least for a league title. For you to be like, yeah, I guess they got Europa League. Like, how does that not constitute a, like a stone cold F? No, yeah, probably should be an F. <laughs> but maybe I'm being generous to them. Uh, just, I guess just, just saying, it's me, unlike you to be generous to Man no, United. But yes, I'm I'm curving their grade a little bit because of the Greenwood thing, because that was kind of like a crazy curveball. That like Greenwood was probably their best young player, and I'm sure that affected the team a lot. Having a scandal like that go through the team, so I, I'm I gave them a little bit of a curve there, gave them a little bit of a break. Uh, my biggest surprise was Fred. I thought Fred did pretty well in this United midfield throughout the season. For as much, you know, slack as he gets in times he loses the ball in crucial situations, he was the anchor in that midfield for United, and he had some pretty great performances, some big goals and big situations. He had four goals, four assists from midfield, which is good. He was producing more than than usual, and I don't know. I thought I thought he was a decent player in there. Um, but my biggest disappointment, there were multiple of them, but Jaden Sancho, three goals, three assists. Marcus Rashford, four goals, two I, I'm assists. Call, I'm calling dibs on Rashford because I have him. But you okay, go off on I'll Sancho. I'll just do Sancho then. But these wingers, you know, attackers, forwards for United just did not produce anything close to what they needed to be producing to for a team that, that has the talent of Manchester United in for a stadium, the history, everything that is Manchester United – for these players to go and produce this type of, when they're getting paid, the wages they're getting paid, it's just three goals and three assists for Sancho. Didn't really have many injuries this season, was able to play throughout the season, and still just so, so disappointing. So, ah, can't be more disappointed with Jaden Sancho. There was just not enough from him. Not enough work rate, not enough goals, not enough assists, and... It's kind of a taint on the Bundesliga that so many players keep coming over here from that league and uh, not producing. I don't know. We'll see. All I'm all I'm gonna say in support Let's see of with Jaden Sancho, Holland. <laughs> yes. I, I am a I am a Sancho stan, and the only thing I will say is, wait until Eric Ten Hag gets his hands on Jaden Sancho because that's gonna be that's gonna be scary. That's all I'll say. I'll say that. Uh, my biggest surprise. Anthony Alanga. I by the way, I gave United a stone cold F. Like a fifty was me being nice. Like everyone in the defensive phase of the game, bar David De Gea, just regressed. On un- like, God, like you Harry imagine. Maguire was so fucking Maguire, shit. Maguire Shaw. God, he was so yeah. trash this whole season. Shaw's Juan Basaka. I didn't Juan think Juan, I, I was thinking like, how is Juan Basaka going to like grow the attacking side of his game? And instead, he got worse defensively, which like we had there was no there was nothing to indicate that was going to happen. Uh, but, Pogba was a ghost, did nothing the whole season. Now he's right. been confirmed today well, we off the Juventus. Kind of, could kind of expect that. Uh, but the, the uh, Alanga again, not like a huge uh, in terms of the the stats he he got, but he was like a welcome. Uh, breath of fresh air in terms of once the whole Greenwood situation panned out and, you know, it was, became apparent that he was not going to be available for at least the rest of the season. We don't know how that's going to pan out in the long term. 
but Anthony Anthony Alanga had been sort of in the periphery. I think he he made a debut at the end of the previous season and scored against Wolves. So we'd seen flashes of it, but he came in and just gave them so much more energy and at least someone who was willing to press. Uh, So, I mean, only two goals and two assists in 21 Premier League appearances. But, you know, we had that goal. He was one of the few bright stars. Yeah. Yeah. Was, Um, Was one of the few bright spots in this United team. And the biggest disappointment, you say Sancho, I think you, I think it should more so be put on Marcus Rashford. He started the season injured, and everyone knew it was going to be like a month or so for him to get back uh, to fitness. But then even when he came back, like week weeks went by, and you know he would score like a goal coming off the bench against Tottenham in the first half of the season, so people would be like, oh, okay, yeah, he's working his way back to fitness. And those weeks became months. And then all of a sudden, people were like, wait, wasn't Rashford back from this injury, like, in November? Like, isn't he supposed to be back to full fitness by now? He ended up with 25 Premier League appearances, only 13 of them starts, had four goals, two assists, and frankly didn't really have a moment, like a match-winning performance that that comes to mind. And he, he was usually at his, at the very least, Marcus Rashford is usually a big game player for Manchester United. But Ronaldo kind of took over that... That role, he was the only real consistent okay, Alex, spot do you under, for United. Do you see now, though, that like Ronaldo is a detriment to a team now at this age? No. You don't understand that no. now? Every other player no. around him, Bruno Fernandes, Rashford, Sancho, all of these players underperformed. The only one who's on the stat sheet and who got in the player of the the... the you know the the team of the season. We're not having Ronaldo. this conversation now. You're framing it all wrong. No. The same thing that's happened with Manchester Ronaldo's United and this group of players. United have their worst season when the he, same, after he joins. The same thing that happened with with this group of Manchester United players, even before Ronaldo got there, where they gave up and stopped playing for the manager, whether it's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, whether it's Mourinho, whether it's Van Hal, Moyes, whoever it is. They once the new manager bounce go, like goes away, they stop caring and they just think, ah, okay, we'll start trying again when the new guy comes in. I'm sure we'll see a run of good games when Ten Hag starts, but unless he makes you know some really pivotal changes to this team, it's not going to last for very long. Um, and Marcus Rashford, frankly, after this season, I would not be surprised if if they can manage to sell him if they did sell him because. Nah, they'll that keep was pitiful. He's, he's a senior him, yeah. player at this point. Jaden Sancho is only like 21 or 22. Marcus Rashford's like in his mid-20s and should have should be at least a 20-goal scorer by now. So, yeah, that's why he's my biggest disappointment. There's still hope for Sancho. I'm, I'm kind of losing it for Rashford. All right, let's move on. We're uh, getting, down to, uh, getting down to brown trouser time here. We're getting laid on in the pod. Javier, in fifth place, Arsenal with uh, 69 points. Giggity. You know what? I'm going to take the lead on this one. I actually, I'm very surprised. I have a better grade for Arsenal than you do. I have an 82, but still a B minus. I gave them the best B B minus I could come up with. And uh, I'll keep it nice and short and sweet for my biggest surprise. It's uh, Mikel Arteta. And I'll keep it even shorter and even sweeter for my biggest disappointment. It's Mikel Arteta. I'm surprised that he even had you guys in the top four. That's too funny, that, Alex. That's, that, was, that was like beyond my wildest dreams. Even with the signings you made last summer, big surprise. And then biggest disappointment, him not actually putting his putting his balls on the table around January when everyone in the world would tell you that you needed a goal scorer. You lost, you sent, he 
pushed out Aubameyang, which, you know, under the circumstances of him missing training and jetting off to uh, back home to Gabon, you know, good move by Mikel Arteta. I was surprised. Then he didn't go and force Edu and the rest of the execs at Arsenal to go get him at least one, one goal scorer. That's all you needed, and you would be in top four right now. So that's why he's my biggest disappointment. Uh, I love it, Alex. I, uh, I I agree with everything you said there. Uh, I was also surprised with you know how good Arteta was. I didn't expect us to be in the top four conversation. So the fact that we were in it till the last day of the season says something. Um, but my biggest surprise was Martin Odegaard. He had seven goals, four assists, and he was just electric the entire season. Pressed, you know, led led the press mostly from midfield, and it's crazy having like a ten, quote unquote ten. The same position that Ozil would play, but someone who actually works really, really hard and can lead the press and can connect everything in midfield, create chances and score goals. It's Odegaard was that this season, and it's it's so exciting having him in the middle because I know whoever he plays with, like someone like Fabio Vieira, who we just signed for forty million from uh, Porto. It's going to be the type of player that they're going to connect back and forth a lot. We're going to see a lot of crazy combinations and nice goals and just excited to, to see him play with uh, and grow in this team because I think Real Madrid selling him for $30 million was absolutely criminal. You know, I know they got Kaimavinga for him, but they don't care. But we are we are buzzing after that one, you know, having having him play a full season and be so good for us. So my biggest disappointment, Nicola Pepe. One goal, two assists. It's got to be the biggest disappointment. You know, I think he'll be sold now for probably 10, 15 million, and we'll see how he does on his next team. But just did nothing this whole season. And he could have chipped in with three or four more goals, and we would be in Champions League too, Alex. But he was absolutely useless and did nothing. So waste of time the entire season using him on that on that right wing. And we need, you know, that's a reason why we got Vieira, a player like Vieira, but I'm sure we're going to try to get a player, another player like someone like Rafinha to, to play on that right wing too and replace Pepe because we need, we need a big goal threat from that right wing, you know, and be able to move soccer around other places in the team. So I'm uh, very disappointed with Pepe and hope we sell him this summer. But yeah, 80, decent, decent result for Arsenal. Be. Just disappointed that we didn't uh, actually make it Champions League. I would have given us an A, but because we didn't, 80. Yeah, it was a weird one to grade because, you know, preseason, like I mentioned, I didn't have you guys anywhere near that top four conversation. Obviously, I didn't know Manchester United were going to be as shit as they ended up being. But, you know, to have it, you know, multiple times and choke it away, that, that, that's what brought me down to the B minus. I couldn't go any lower than that. So the team that pipped you guys to fourth, Tottenham, they finished on 71 points, just uh, two ahead of you. Javier, we have almost the exact same entries, except I gave Tottenham an 88, so the lowest B+, plus, and you gave them a 93. Please explain. Uh, I mean, they lost their manager. They were in crisis mode, right? Like, they were ready for Nuno Espiritu Santo, and... Uh, they ended up ditching him, going and getting Conte and backing him, giving him players over the, the January transfer window and Kuliszewski, Betancourt, um, and... That was it in uh, January. And, and, yeah, and I mean, the, those two were, were 
instrumental in them getting top four. Kuliszewski is my biggest surprise. Five goals, eight assists. He was just awesome on that right wing. And I, I've always thought UVA underutilized him in Syria. And now we're seeing how good of a player he was. And he was an absolute steal for Tottenham. So just a very dangerous looking front three for uh, for Tottenham. And just very surprised that Conte was able to pull top four out in the end because of the, the erratic start of the season for Tottenham, losing their manager, you know, having to, to even making the Europa League was a doubt for a while. So it's impressive that they, uh, they pulled out Champions League in the end and are now going to be able to attack more talent. Conte is going to stay and it's going to be a, a, a great, probably their best ever team going into next season. With the with their best manager they've ever had, so exciting times for Tottenham. Yeah, I gave them an eighty-eight and a B plus, just because. Like, also, like me, them getting and keeping Conte, that's like huge yeah, to me. I mean, like getting Champions League. Yeah, like, I agree. That's massive. <clears throat> but for the vast majority of the season, to me, it felt like they were a shit show, even with Conte for the first few months. Like I know they had like injuries and. Uh, you know, hadn't gone to sign those players like they didn't lose for Conte's first like eight or nine games, though. Yeah, I know, but I, like the performances weren't that great. Like they were eking out like like a one nil win at Wol- at Watford. I mean, in like the last minute when Davinson Sanchez scored, there were a lot of like bad performances. But we were just talking about like ah, Conte knows how to get the job done. They weren't like blowing teams away like they were for the last like for the run into the season. Like they had like a five game losing streak. No, actually, it was a four-game losing streak in the league specifically in late January going into February. And, like, a couple of losses to Chelsea in the League Cup, like, also thrown in there. So they were in a, they had, some like, a bad, bad losing run. But they hit their stride when they needed to most, and they made their signings count. So that's why I gave them a B plus. I'm not throwing an A around Tottenham just yet, because these, these grades are for the full season. So... Uh, I, I mean, I had the same surprise and disappointment as you, Kulisevsky and Bergwijn, but, you know, just for variety, I'll throw in Christian Romero um, as the biggest surprise. Like, I, he didn't start the, the season very well. Like, Nuno Espirito Santo was the manager who technically brought him in and then barely ever played him. And then he was injured. And when he did get into Conte's team, he was next to Eric Dyer, which actually, Eric Dyer should be the biggest surprise because... He played his ass off once Conte came in. But those two players like became borderline two of the best center backs in the league once Con- they were like fitted into Conte's system. So let's move on to Chelsea. 74 points, third place. Not ideal for a team that many were picking to win the league before the season. Um, but we've talked like a million times about all the outside factors like, on this Chelsea team. So considering all of those and, you know, the 100 million pounds record breaking striker that we brought in, just, you know, falling flat on his ass. Being a little sissy ninny and wanting to go back to Inter Milan. Oh, Inter, I love you. I went ahead and gave uh, Chelsea an 85. A solid B. Went deep in pretty much every uh, cup competition. We're a few kicks away from, you know, having a League Cup and FA Cup. Should have beaten Liverpool at least one of those games. Um, so, you know, considering all the injuries, we're one of the teams that didn't get any games postponed or delayed due to COVID, despite having two major COVID outbreaks. So, yeah, thanks for that, FA. 
we still were like far and away the third best team, which I don't, I don't take pride in that. But even when like Arsenal fans and Tottenham fans were like, oh, we're coming for third place. Like I never really believed them. And I knew that they never really believed it themselves. Like we're clearly not on Manchester City and and Liverpool's level for challenging for the title, but we're definitely not on like Arsenal or Tottenham or obviously Man United's level. So to uphold that and, you know, throw in the fact that a literal fucking war caused us to be put into it into sanctions for our owner and be going through like all business activities being shut down for you know february onwards most teams would have fallen apart and karma mid table <laughs> karma sorry well guess what they say karma's a bitch but we made her our bitch so uh yeah we'll take that champions league football and uh you know the highest uh the highest uh what do you call it valued uh, like sports franchise uh, of all time, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take that and we'll move on and we'll uh, get back to our winning ways next season. Javier, give me your grade, Javier. All right, Alex. I, I also gave them, I gave them a B minus an 80. I thought it was very disappointing season kind of for Chelsea, but I gave them a B because of the circumstances. I think they should have had a much lower grade because they were supposed to be in for the title. They signed an a hundred million pound striker, uh, just with all the circumstances though that happened and with I'm going to just off the bat my biggest disappointment was the Reese James and, and Ben Chilwell injuries because if Chelsea didn't have those injuries I feel like they would have finished the season much closer to Liverpool and Manchester City and you know probably would have would have won at least one or two of those cup competitions probably would have gone deeper in the Champions League etc cetera, etc cetera. it just Completely, because de- up till the point of both of those players playing in the team, Chelsea looked really, really good. We're banging in goals, yeah, playing even super without well. Lukaku. And then those two injuries happened. Um, you know, it kind of derailed Chelsea for a couple of months, and it took it took Chelsea like two or three months to recover after those Chilwell injuries. You know, to get back into some sort of form to round out the season and get you guys, you know, late into the cup competitions and seal top four, but. I just think it really just took your season by, uh, you know, it fucked everything up. So, And my biggest surprise has to be Thiago Silva, to be honest. I thought he played so well for Chelsea this season. He was kind of the rock in that back line. And even at 37, 38, I, he still is an excellent, excellent 37, player. 37, yeah. Yeah, it just surprised me that he's still been able to play at the top level and, and come to the Premier League and produce and play day-to-day. He's, he surprised me how fit and how good he's been in big games and how ch- bad Chelsea have looked at times without him in the team. So surprised me how good Thiago Silva is and good on him that uh, he'll probably still be playing for Brazil in this next World Cup. Yeah, definitely. He still starts for Brazil in all of their qualifiers. So, you know, barring an unfortunate injury going into next season, he'll definitely be there. Uh, Who do you have? Your biggest disappointment. We already went through Reese James and Ben Chilwell. That those injuries that we that Chelsea had in you know late December that derailed our season. My biggest surprise, uh, frankly, I don't think Thiago Silva being amazing is a surprise. I think the kind of season that Trevor Chalaba put together after multiple loans at teams like Huddersfield and Ipswich, and then uh, before this season at Lorient in in France. For him to come back and for Tuchel to turn him into, frankly, someone that I expect to be like a major contributor next season, with especially with Rudiger leaving, 
it's the biggest surprise I've had from uh, a Chelsea Loney in years. He like had three league goals, one more in the Champions League, and had 20 appearances for Chelsea. When he started his 17 games in the Premier League, we were undefeated, and only four of those 17 games were draws. That's yeah, a good shout. No, that's a decent I mean, record. He kind of came that's... out of nowhere for Chelsea. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a big surprise. I'm not saying it's only up to him that those results were like so good. And again, he was you know chosen for a lot of the times like to rotate players. No, I don't against think that, that, ex- that excuses letting go of Mark Gahey, Kurt Zuma. And, no, no, it doesn't. Uh, but that, that's not that's not what we're asking. We're asking who's the biggest surprise of the season. And for me, it's Trevor Chalaba. Uh, and then my biggest disappointment, like, how can it be anyone but Romelu Lukaku? Eight Premier League goals in 26 Ugh, games, Lukaku 16 Lukaku was starts. so bad for Chelsea this year. It's, it's pathetic. Yeah. Just, I, 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 I can't truly answer the question whether it was more so on the team's fault for him, for not fitting him in, or whether it's on him for not adjusting to the team. But I know eight Premier League goals is not good enough, and I put that I put that more more so on him than on the team. So, Lukaku, good riddance. He's already announced that he's going back to uh, Inter Milan on loan. Um, we'll see what happens after that. But yeah, good riddance. Uh, moving on to Liverpool, second place, ninety two points. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Javier! I'm just looking at the grade you gave them. <laughs> you you go for it. I will not step on your toes. What, yeah, ninety seven. I mean, I, uh, I they had such an unbelievable season. Jesus. Um, I I feel bad for them that they didn't actually win the title with ninety two points, having played so well, scored so many goals, had so many entertaining games, and then you know not lost in two matches versus the eventual champions who won by, I think there was numerous VAR and favorable decisions that went for Manchester City during the season that could have easily led them not to having one or two less points. And I think Liverpool probably did enough to having, should have won the league this year. Um, and it's disappointing for them that they didn't have as incredible year. This is their golden generation. This is going to be their best team ever. So yeah. Well, I mean, you can make an in argument the that era, the golden sure. generation is gone, seeing as, you know, it's official that Sadio Mane has moved on to Bayern Munich. Um, I mean, I'm not saying the the whole golden era has come to an end, but Sadio Mane is undoubtedly a part of that golden generation. Uh, before we move on to the surprises and disappointments of Liverpool, I just want to give my grade a 90, an A-. minus. Yes, they had the, the two fuck, trophies. Alex? But I'll, really? I'll tell you why. What? I'll tell you why. I do not feel bad that they didn't win the league. In eight, wait, six games, in six games against the other top four teams in the league this season, zero wins. They didn't beat Spurs. They didn't beat Chelsea. They didn't beat Manchester City. That's why they're not champions. So you can point to that from seasons, back, seasons from now. They managed to draw... Two draws against Spurs, two draws against Chelsea, two draws against Manchester City. So they didn't lose that's what either. Cost them the title. Yeah, but they didn't win. Okay, but like that's not the end of the world. If you want to win the, if you want to win the title, Manchester City are out here doing the double over Chelsea, home and away. Yeah, they lost to Tottenham, but you know, they lost to Tottenham twice. <laughs> but you know, they beat Chelsea twice, and you know that's still six points, which is how many Liverpool got in six games against other top four opposition. So, yeah, that's why City are champions and Liverpool aren't. Uh, give, give me your big big surprise and your big disappointment. Uh, 
there, you know, there wasn't too many surprises in this Liverpool team, just the consistency. But I, Luis Diaz coming in off the bat, just immediately starting for Liverpool, scoring, assisting, being such a big part of the team, and even you know to the point of starting in Champions League final. You know, pretty pretty crazy achievement for Luis Diaz, and a uh, huge surprise for me that he was able to just roll into the team so easily. Um, and then, you know, biggest disappointment's got to be them, you know, bottling some sort of trouble this season. You know, they they should have won three, three trophies. I don't, this I don't team, know if they bottled the treble. What do you mean? They, they, they had bottled, a Champions, like, Champions League, League or a Premier League treble they were good they could have had one of the the treble if they were in the lead in the league and threw that away like you can't bottle the treble if you don't have the league like in the first place like i think they they were only ever in first place over manchester city when they had like a game in hand on them and city like had to play the next day or something so i don't know bottling it seems strong like but yeah the champions league like losing that when you know they, they seemed like such solid favorites uh, yeah, I can understand that sentiment. Uh, my biggest surprise was Joel Matip. I, I've said it multiple times on this podcast, and I stand by it. Joel Matip was Liverpool's best center back this season. Far better than Van Dijk. I don't get how Van Dijk is getting into the team of the season. Yes, he had a good return season after a terrible injury, but Matip, when he played in the league, was a far more influential center back uh, and than Virgil Van Dijk. I'm sure... All right, sure I gotta Matip stop you there for a second. You know Virgil Van Dyke though. Every time he's the one who has to like go and mark the best def- like attacker on the opposing team. Matip's the one who like covers no, his back. I mean, yeah, I mean it's just that's, like that's he's, just the, he's the he's the more Dijk, physical. Van Dyke covers space. He, he's it's not it's not basketball. It's not man v man where you're like, oh, I'm on this guy for the whole game. Like you know, you you mark a space on the. He's a left center back. He marks that left side on you know with Robertson next to him. Matip is a right center back, and then Konate would get, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, played sometimes instead of I was going to say, I mean, Konate played a lot with inter- interchange with, with Matip, but Van Dyke always played every Not game. Really. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're asking me who would you rather have going forward, Van Dyke or Matip, I'll say Van Dyke because, you know, I expect him to get even better next season with another season, uh, like, under his, under his belt since that injury, but... For now, for this one season, I'll remember it for Joel Matip having, you know, the time of his life. And my biggest disappointment was just uh, Curtis Jones. You know, he might be a might be a casualty of, you know, uh, Thiago Alcantara, like finding his feet in that midfield. But I, I was expecting like a step forward from him. He only had a goal and an assist in 15 Premier League appearances. He just kind of figured he would, you know, step up and, and do more for Liverpool. But he... He had some chances, but never really capitalized on them. Yeah. So last, <laughs> certainly not least, Manchester City. First point, first place, 93 points. Javier, what's your grade for Manchester City? My grade for Man City, 98. You know, very, very high A, almost A+. Plus, A+. Plus. You know, just amazing season for them. Just the consistency to be able to do this every single year is so impressive, and shows the 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 power that money has number 1 and that Pep Guardiola commands you know with these the players that he signs you know cuz the way that they play it's so dominating so demanding so uh yeah just so fun to watch most of the time cuz they score so many goals and create so many chances so uh you know he, I'm a fan of Man City in the way that they play 
I don't like the way they do business or the way that they necessarily, you know, get a little bit of favoritism, but uh, it's still uh, impressive that they win year after year after year with all these teams throwing, you know, the best that they can and the best in the world against them. So 98 for me. And uh, my biggest surprise this year was Amirek Laporte, who uh, 15 clean sheets this season for Manchester City, four goals. Uh, he was kind of a mainstay during the whole entire season. You know, it was Ruben Diaz last year, but this year Laporte was the, the, the best defender in that team. And he just wasn't really talked about enough. And yeah, I just thought Laporte was a huge reason that they kept so many clean sheets this season and he scored some big goals. So uh, just happy, happy that he was able to reclaim his place in the side. And John Stones, he kind of fell by the wayside. He was almost my biggest disappointment, um, but I had to go with Jack Grealish because three goals, three assists, just didn't really make an impact in any big games. Jack Grealish and got a decent amount of starts, good amount of time off the bench, and still just didn't impact games as much in this you know free flowing, large goals. You know, so Rodri had more goal involvement. There were a lot of play Cancelo. There were a bunch of players who don't play nearly as attacking as. Jack Grealish, and they had more goal involvement than Grealish, so just kind of disappointing for Grealish. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Rodri, because I had him as my biggest surprise. Like, seven goals, two assists. Rodri was an absolute monster for them. Um, best defensive midfielder in the league right now, no doubt about it. Those seven goals, a bunch of them were huge goals. I think he, he had scored the winner against Arsenal. firecracker and, goals this season. Right. He scored like an absolute thunderbolt around midseason, and it's killing me that I cannot remember who it was against. I I think maybe Watford or or Leicester. I can't remember who, but he had one of the goal of the season uh, candidates, just a laser from uh, outside. He had a bunch of those goals that he, uh, like the the daisy cutters that he would just like hit with a bunch of pace along the ground and put them right in the corner like he did in the Aston Villa game to uh, equalize it in the last game of the season. Um, but he also had big goals like I think he had the winner against Arsenal at the Emirates. So, yeah, uh, I mean, the goals aren't even the main part of his game. He He's, you know, obviously, uh, like I said, the best defensive midfielder in the league. But those seven goals from that position, that's what makes him the biggest surprise of the season for me. I gave them a 94 for the season, my highest grade that I've given in these grades. I know you got them up at 98, but honestly, it doesn't really make a difference at this point. It's an A. I didn't give them an A plus because I still don't think this is like a better Pep Guardiola Manchester City team than we've seen in the past couple of years. We've seen better Man City teams. So I'll give them a 94. And let's end on this. My biggest disappointment for Manchester City, it's not Jack Grealish. It's along the same lines as the Kurt Zuma pick. It's Benjamin Mendy, the rapist. Burn in a jail cell and rot in hell. Uh, you fuck absolute that guy. cunt. Fuck you, Mendy. Fuck you, Benjamin Mendy. He had one appearance in the first game of the season against Tottenham. They lost that game. And then I can't I'm trying to remember the exact like terminology for what exactly has happened. He's in jail awaiting trial for multiple rapes. Uh so yeah, that's uh not even a disappointment, just a big old piece of shit. Screw you, Benjamin Mendy. And all you other footballers that are out there uh you know, sexually assaulting and raping girls just because you uh, think you're the shit. You guys can burn in hell. You guys are worse than Kurt Zuma. You heard what I said, and I don't take it back. 
let's end it at that point. We've been having technical difficulties throughout this, so let's just uh, get it over and done with. Javier, thanks again for jumping on this one. Uh, you know, despite the technical difficulties, we got it done in the end. You can follow Javier on Twitter at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ASMOS92. And you can follow the podcast socials at GhostGoalPod. If you've got any long form questions, we're, uh, you know, we're going to try and get a bit creative this summer since there's no World Cup uh, during the summer months. If you've got any questions or, you know, things you'd like to hear us talk about on the pod this summer, send that to us via email, ghostgoalpod at gmail.com. I hope you've enjoyed these Premier League grades slash recaps that we've been doing. Can't wait to hear from you guys. And until next time, fuck Kurt Suma and Benjamin Mendy.